Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Lesser Known Self, a podcast for music and mental health for people of color. I'm your host, Brianna, a regular girl from Brooklyn. Today's guest is Adeline from Brooklyn by way of Paris. She's a singer, bassist, producer, and all-around creative. Her sound is a sunny blend of soul, funk, and pop. And she recently released her EP, Anthurim. That's my best friend, y'all. And in this episode, we talk about the Black diaspora, self-care, and her sense of drive. I'm going to play a bit of her song, Twilight, and we'll dive into the interview. Miss Adeline. So I start all my interviews off the same way, and that's with the question, who are you and what's important to you? Um, can you hear me still? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I am a musician, um, mainly singer, bass player, songwriter, producer, uh, and I was born and raised in Paris. My mom is French and my father is from the Caribbean island of Martinique. Uh, and I moved to the U.S. right after high school to um, follow my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> so we're in a double pandemic. What are some of the emotions that, you've, that have come up for you during this time and how do you deal with it? Woo, we're starting heavy, huh? <laughs> yep, I love it. Uh, all of the emotions, I think, you know, there's the pandemic, that's one, one aspect of the first, I, I've been calling sort of this phase, or rather, should I call it this year, because it's been most of the year now, this, this different um, episodes of Black Mirror, 
And uh, yeah. I don't know what season of Black Mirror this is, but the writers did a really good job. Mm, um, they sure did. <laughs> but yeah, I think the first, it's, it goes from, you know, feeling um, like it's surreal, you know, disbelief to shock to sometimes acceptance and resilience to grief and, and sadness when it came to, uh, you know, the movement that followed the death of George Floyd and, um, you know, anger and motivation and uh, just, it's just been a roller coaster, um, you know, so it's, it's really hard to, to, to explain, but I think everybody can sort of relate, right? Yeah, for sure. And and do you feel like you've you've learned anything about your your own personal mental health through this process? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I I have gotten some confirmations about certain aspects of my personality, um, especially when the, the 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 pandemic first started, and I had to like. Oh, go through this giant shift of, uh, you know, trying to pursue, continue with my plans and, and musical career and releases um, in the middle of everything. And I, I was glad to see that I was um, super motivated and, and not letting myself be defeated. And I think that's something I've noticed uh, along with the years with the things I've gone through in my life personally and I sort of kind of thrive in in uh, in when facing adversity. I think I I don't know if I need it, but I probably have done the most uh, when I was being told that I couldn't do something. Mm. Um, so I you know, and I think that's art in general. I don't think that's me personally, but I think art and you know there are many quotes about that and that, you know, the best art is created out of, of complete despair and, and, and lack of resources. And, and I, I found myself in that situation and just having to figure it out and not taking no for an answer and not, not just letting myself um, just, you know, get beat down and just getting, standing up and figuring it out. Yeah, for sure. And I can definitely see that in you as a musician. I mean, when you picked up the bass and getting into production as well, it seems like you really thrive off of challenging yourself to new things as a musician. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned putting out your your new EP during this time. Um, what did you learn from that process? Like as, as a musician, um, did you ever think about, you know, just continuing to put it out or what are some of the thoughts that went into your mind? Well, the, the first thing that I, that I realized, um, you know, about two weeks in was, okay, I could make this work in my favor. This, this could work out. Not that it could work in my favor. This is a terrible time. And, you know, I would rather not have it because we want everybody to be healthy and happy. But yeah. given the reality, okay, people are still going to be home listening to music. And this might be a better time than ever um, to put out music. Um, so I, I continued with, with the release plans we had. We had all these, these singles lined up and the EP release lined up. Um, and 
yeah, what I, what I learned was kind of almost like going back to the essence of why I do what I do. Yeah. Not only from my own perspective and uh, from my own self-satisfaction, but for what it means to people in general. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm still building my following and I'm, I, you know, I'm, a pretty, I'm a pretty small artist, all things considering. Um, but even so, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's just five people um my 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 mission in life is to make art and no matter how many people it touches if it touches someone it makes a difference oh for sure and i know that you you speak out about your you just being you and speaking out as an act of resistance as a a black immigrant woman um and i think it's also really i mean not not that every song is is super positive. I know on one of them, you kind of allude to like a a breakup or some like, you know, going through the motions. But for the most part, the EP is super joyful. And I feel like joy is also, you know, an act of resistance. And um, that seems like a really big core of of you as an artist. Absolutely. It's Mm -hmm. it's a big core of my personality. Um, I think that's, you know, a a problem. You would have to ask my therapist, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, smiles and joy is, uh, is my form of resistance. It's the way I cope with things. Yeah. Um, so that's in my personality and it probably reflects in my music as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you speak very candidly about your journey in music. Um, you were in escort for about nine or 10 years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And going from bands to solo work, how does this Adeline compared to the one who released her first solo album? Ooh. Um, Heavy hitters. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I'm definitely a lot more um, mature with my, my sound. Uh, is you know, I think it's, it's all discovery. For some art, listen, some artists um, find themselves so early on, you know, Prince, 18 years old, first album, did it all by himself. He already had a sound, but, you know, I could never compare myself to Prince and no one could ever. But mm-hmm. some, you know, even some less genius artists have found themselves super early on. It took me a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I'm there now in terms of it's a combination also of, of what people are uh, ready to listen to and, and what's going on in the world and what you have to offer, right? Yeah, and I think there's sort of a conundrum that's happening where where all of these things are sort of meeting each other. Um, but it, you know, it took me growth as a as a, as a woman, as a writer. Um, the main piece I would say that I have added now, uh, in comparison to my first album, is the first album I had so much to say, and and I think the biggest part of my message was women can make their own beats, women can, women can make their own decision, women can play the bass, women can produce, um, and just do the music that you want. And I was, I was just making so much music. And afterwards, I sort of, with this EP, I realized that uh, the singer in me had been kind of left out. Yeah. Uh, and that I wasn't necessarily always writing things that would work as best as possible for my voice. Um, mm. So I just kind of like, after performing so much I toured and we played in Japan we played you know all over the place with my band and playing with my band and trying things live and you really really get to see what works best what where you shine the most where the 
audience reacts the most, what touches people. And, and it really, really got, uh, it was, you know, testing all these things out. Um, after getting off the road and, and getting back in the studio, up, I applied all of these things um, mm-hmm. and really made sure to, 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 to use that growth into the music. Yeah, I, I think that definitely shows through. So oh, thank you. No problem. Um, so the Black diaspora is so wide, complex, and beautiful. Um, you know, you mentioned that your your father was from Martinique, and I believe your mom was from the south of France. And yeah, my my mom was Jamaican, and my father was from the south. So I could see the differences play out between the two sides of my family. So mm-hmm. how does heritage inform your blackness? Ooh, that's a that's a very interesting question because I have my perception of my blackness has evolved so much between growing up as a mixed race girl in France to moving to the United States. And there's a very interesting New York Times article that came out about three years, three three days ago about um, the the uprising of black people in, in France and, and the aftermath of the, of the revolution here in the United States and how that's impacted uh, you know, other people in the diaspora, and in particular France, which I can absolutely relate to. Um, and I think I like sharing my perception because it's, it's very, I have these conversations with my friends that are African-American constantly and it's, it's very interesting to see how we are all impacted differently and how we view the world differently depending on where we grow up. Because in France, um, when you're a person of color, you're considered an immigrant. You are technically an immigrant. And you are, I mean, I guess from my time, uh, still first or second generation. Because people of color and black people in particular haven't been living in the territory of France for, for much, for very long. It probably they started coming, let's say, in the fifties or sixties. Um, so you're still considered an immigrant, and everybody has every different pockets. There are different pockets of black people. You have black, you know, West Africans, and then you have West Africans that are Muslim and West Africans that are Christian, and then you have Northern Africans, and then you have West Indians, which is in my case. And I think one of the bigger issues that the black community has in France is that there is no such thing really as a black community because everybody mm-hmm. comes with such different cultures and languages and beliefs and religions um, that we failed to come together because our mistreatment of, uh, you know, due to racism is the same at the end of the day. There are still some classes and a weird hierarchy of how badly you are treated, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. is really insane. Yeah. Um, but I spent most of my time growing up, you know, um, looking at myself as a Creole person, West Indian, and mixed person. And I would be, you know, hanging out with Senegalese people, and it's like they're like, "Oh, you're the mixed girl. You're the you're the West Indian girl, and I'm Senegalese." And what brought us together was uh, class. In France, people are divided by class more so than by race. In terms of, so we're not we don't really have a segregated culture as much as in the U.S. So if you're black, you don't grow up with just blacks. You grow up with all the people that are kind of, you know, on the same um, social status as you. So I grew up mm-hmm. in a project and it, therefore I grew up with a bunch of amazing, you know, different cultures, which was great. And then I'm, to make it faster, I moved to the U.S. and everybody was like, no, you're black, you're black. And all of a sudden I'm black. 
and mm. I'm understanding what it means. And yeah. I, I, it took me so long to really understand. And now I, I, I fully, fully understand it more than ever. Um, but it took me years. And, and it's, it's, it's this, this is what I learned so much from Black American culture is, is that when it comes to representation, we have a tight culture, a uh, community. There mm-hmm. is such a thing as a black community and, and coming together is the best way to fight injustice that we have to face. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, I think that you're totally right. Um, I know that you, you also participated in a bunch of different protests and you've been really active um, on your social media about it. And I've also gone to a lot of protests and um, you know, growing up, I grew up here, and but I also saw like the differences between, um, you know, my friends who were from like the South or who weren't from the Caribbean, and they were like completely a different culture, different food, different ways of being raised, and and that, and and then growing up to you know go to these protests, and you know those segregated lines are now you know dissipated because at the end of the day you're still black, and yeah. I, I think exactly. that that's that's part of what's made this new wave of of protests and 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 marches so much more powerful because I think we're unified in a way that we haven't been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So your spirit and your dress is so colorful. What influences your fashion sense? <laughs> um. I, I mean, in terms of uh, humanized influences, <laughs> Grace Jones, uh, David Bowie uh, are huge influences. The way they just, they just show up on stage um, with mm-hmm. such confidence. Um, but I, it, I mean, I'm, I'm living in New York City. I'm super inspired by the streets of New York. I mean, you don't see that many people on the street anymore, but yeah. <laughs> you know people just daring I think that's what I um I I I look to is is to to dare to try different things and um Andre 3000 is a huge influence influence of mine when it comes to fashion um you know just contrast like seeing this man that's like super masculine whatever masculine means with with a wig uh, that you know a blonde platinum blonde wig with two braids and like overalls it's like the coolest thing ever to me because it doesn't make sense and it, it i i want to not make sense when i go dress uh, yeah. it's not about expectations it should be about oh i just threw the, these two things together and you wouldn't think that it works but it it, it does because mm-hmm. i believe it does <laughs> yeah yeah do you feel like that's a, a reflection of your personality? Because you, you just seem so, um, like, it goes back to the joyfulness that I think exudes from your spirit, you know? Like, you, you just seem like like you're, you're happy to be here. Yeah, I am happy to be here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess it does, yeah. I, I, I will say that if I'm wearing all black, which rarely happens mm-hmm. um it, i don't feel like it's me it doesn't feel like it's a ref- reflection of uh my spirit yeah yeah i need colors but i, I love all black too i mean it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with style it's more so like how you know it, it makes me feel yeah yeah mm-hmm. totally so um 
you know, this also kind of speaks to that, but what does self-care look like for Adeline? I know that um, you have like a morning routine, for example. Yeah. Well, I started meditating this year. I, I think uh, I picked the right year to start meditating. Definitely. Hey, if there was a time, if there was a time to start meditating, 2020 was the one. So I got lucky. I started meditating January this year, and before that, I was not really open to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, through conversations, and I, I got into it really, really d- deeply. So that's become part of my routine. And this, yeah, the morning I wake up, same thing. I have a giant glass of water with lemon, uh, honey, and salt. Um, and then I do oil pulling while making my coffee, and then I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes. I have my coffee, and generally I uh, sit down and play some bass or work out. Um, and I try to work out. I work out about five days a week. I like, wow. to work, I like working out on my own um, from home or outside at the park. I've never been to a gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, never had a membership gym membership in my life. Um, again, that worked out for me 2020 because <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't be possible anyway. So yeah, yeah just, just exercising is a huge part of my, uh, of my self-care. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. And then I think, you know, just spending time with friends. I, I work so much um, yeah. that I, 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 I like to, and, you know, making music requires a lot of alone time. So I, I like to, through this time, I've, I've, I, I think my survival has been uh, thanks to some of my really close friends and just getting together and having conversations and trying to figure out together how we can make the world better, how we can make ourselves better and, and simultaneously just like taking care of each other and just also just kind of unplugging and, and hanging out, you know. So yeah, yeah friends yeah. is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So you, you speak about growth a lot and, um, you know, maturing as a person. And a lot of my listeners are in their 20s and going through that really crazy time of like, am I doing enough or am I far enough into my career? Um, so what, what have you learned about being an adult that you can share with some of our, our listeners? Oh, well, I think the, the, the most important and most difficult part is learning to uh, listen to your intuition. That's something that, that if you focus on and really make it a priority, uh, whilst realizing that it takes time and you can't force it, um, that will give you most of the answers. Cause most of the answers rely within us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just trusting your gut and trying to identify that little voice in your head um, and, and learning to hear it. Yeah. That's extremely important. We know when something doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, just don't do it. And that, that comes with your art and your job and the way people treat you and your, the person you're dating, you know? Just mm-hmm. trust your gut. Um, and, and that's, that's super important. And that's something that, you know, gets better and better with time. If you pay attention, um, that and, and patience. And I mean, I will always advise just, just work, working hard, you know, you can never regret, you can never regret, um, working hard. 
it's important to take time, you know, for yourself. Like, I'm not necessarily an example because I, I think, you know, I hear from people around me that I should rest a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do what I do. But, yeah, just dedication in, into your craft. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you learned from your parents or something that naturally kind of arose within you? I think that it, it's it's a combination of both. I think I was always kind of very uh, determined um, ever since I was born mm-hmm. um, and kind of obsessive with, if I had a goal in mind, just wouldn't stop until I had it. Um, but also, I, you know, I have to thank my father for really developing and pushing, identifying that side of my personality and really developing it and, and pushing, pushing me uh, because, you know, I, he knew I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, parents from the Caribbean are very, um, at least my, my mom was very tough on me and made me strive for excellence. Like I could never just do enough. So I imagine maybe that was also a part of your experience. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you can always do more. Cool. You did you did good. Now do great. Yeah, exactly. Good is not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, Adeline. Um, my last question is what what do you want people to feel or experience when they listen to your music? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to want to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just play it again. That, that would be great if they hear it. You know, whatever is the way that I, because, you know, everybody listens to different things when they listen to music, so. Mm-hmm. The best, the, one of the best advice I received from my bass mentor is music's supposed to feel good. That's yeah. what uh, Morris White from Earth, Wind, and Fire said, you know, just when they were asked, like, what's your goal when you make music? It's just supposed to feel good. So mm-hmm. I want it to feel good to people who are listening, no matter, regardless of what that means to them. Yeah. Um, and then feel so good that they want to hear it again and mm-hmm. tell their friends about it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for for joining me. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very honored to be invited. Yeah, no problem. All right. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you to Miss Adeline for being my guest on this episode. I really enjoyed talking to her. She has such a a sense of self-discipline and creativity and curiosity. And I admire anybody who works out five times a week because I am definitely struggling with that right now. And I actually really embrace my full washed um, capacity because I ordered house dresses like a grandma. So now we're dresses in the house but like not cute dresses like dresses like a like a new form of like what your grandma would wear around the house so that's where I'm at and we're gonna jump right into my final thoughts so my final thoughts has a lot to do with obviously we're still in a pandemic um it's it's funny because you know in March I was like how long is this gonna last it's gonna last until May 
and now we're in July, um, almost August, and uh, this seems like something that is just going to be a part of life for the foreseeable future. And I've had to really check myself in terms of my patience. I'm realizing that I don't have as much patience as I thought, especially when things are stripped away, like jobs and, you know, getting on the train and commutes and hanging out with friends. And so I'm really trying to practice a sense of what's in my control and what's not in my control. Um, I, like a lot of people, am applying to jobs, and that's a whole process that is very, that can be very taxing on mental health. And so my, my final thought is to remind yourself what's in your control and remind yourself what's not in your control and to use that as a way to operate in your day-to-day you know, obviously people stress out about things that aren't in their control, but I think that once you start thinking about it a little bit further, more deeply, you realize that it's not really in your best interest to stress out about things that you really can't do anything about. So what you can do is focus on what you're going to eat, how you're going to take care of your body, how you're going to take care of your mind, and that at the end of the day, that's what's most important. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps a lot. And we're on Instagram at lesser known self. Thanks. Keep an eye on your energy and be well. Thanks.